Welcome back to the Inside the Pylon Mock War Room Draft. Chuck Zada here as your host and MC of this event. Uh, we now go to the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who are expected to make the seventh pick in the NFL Draft shortly. In a slight conflict of interest, Dan Hatman is GM of the 49ers as well, but we trust that he is going to be uh, objective and fair in his decision-making. Dan, can you please introduce us to your staff on the 49ers? Yeah, let's dive into it. So uh, in addition to myself, we have Kyle Krabs here taking care of the player personnel role. Uh, again, making sure that we stick to our board and recognize value throughout the course of the draft. Jim Coburn is here as well. He's going to, again, take a peek at the quantitative side of things, make sure that when we look at a player, we're paying attention to what history can tell us, uh, what the numbers can tell us, and making sure that we are, we're playing the odds to the best of our ability. And then because we are going to be in consideration for a quarterback at this phase, we're going to bring in Mark Schofield uh, to talk about that side of things as well. Very good. Dan, you and your team have 15 minutes to make your pick, and the clock is running as of now. All right, gentlemen. Uh, you know, one of the big things when we talk about turning over a roster in lieu of a coaching change is, is scheme fit becomes important in players that have played well uh, for one staff might not be fits moving forward. And conversely, players who were poor fits for a previous staff might now have a chance to be effective. So what I want to do is kind of just quickly glance through our roster and our, our values and what we're looking to accomplish on the field. Uh, and then I want to pivot over and start looking at some of the players for us. So the first thing we talk about our offense is it's predicated, obviously, on tempo. Everybody wants to talk about that. But it's predicated on being able to play in front of the sticks. So we want our run plays need to gain four-plus yards. Our pass plays are going to be uh, quick, decisive things, uh, easily gaining yards. We want to be in second and six. We want to be in third and two. We want to keep all of our players in an optimum position to keep the defense off balance. So that requires an offensive line that can execute our zone-based system, that can execute our down-and-around pulls, getting people to the perimeter. Uh, we're going to do some various things in that way. Uh, our wide receivers, we like size. We like guys that can help us block on the perimeter, spring some of those runs. That's going to be important to us. Uh, we have used tight ends in various ways. We, we look at them differently based on body type and skill set. Uh, running back, we're actually really lucky to fall into guys like Hyde and Mike Davis uh, who match up well with what we're looking for. And then clearly on offense, the, the question is the quarterback position. So everybody wants to point to the legs and the movement skills, but that's really icing on the cake. In order for the quarterback in this system to be effective, we need an individual that can go out there. We're going to give them uh, a, a smaller set of plays to run. Each play is going to have options built into it such that you go out, the defense is going to dictate which of those options is the best, and we are looking for quick, efficient, accurate decision-making, and then clearly the ball placement, uh, quick and efficient as well. So that elite top-end arm strength, not as much of a concern. Again, icing on the cake, the ability for this individual to run and move, um, icing on the cake, but we want, to, we want to build that foundation first. Defensively, we like the two-gap. All right, all the way across the board. So we're going to get long at the four technique. We're going to throw tackles. We're going to be stout at the nose. Uh, we like our outside two-point stance, guys. We want as much rush as we can get with some flexibility to drop. Uh, think about what Deion Jordan did for us at Oregon. Uh, and then in the secondary, you know, we're going to be primarily cover three base, trying to be proactive, trying to get long as well in that area. 
So with that, um, coming back to needs, a couple of positions that I want to identify. Offensive line, we're not there yet. Need some pieces. We're going to consider quarterback at this point. Uh, we're also going to consider players in the secondary. And then, Kyle, any, you know, any best player available in addition to that. So if you want to start us off with the top five guys on the board right now. Yeah, just kind of taking everything that you said into consideration, some of the the five guys that I think should be up for consideration include Houston corner William Jackson, uh, Cal quarterback Jared Goff, uh, North Dakota State quarterback Carson Wentz, uh, Ohio State defensive lineman Joey Bosa, and offensive tackle Jason Spriggs. Okay. All right. So what I want to start with um, is just let, let's go ahead and dive into quarterback. Let's make sure we have that nailed down and split hairs between the two. So actually, let me start with Jim here. Um, Jim, for what we talked about in terms of what this quarterback needs to do between the line of scrimmage and, and 15 yards in terms of uh, that accuracy, that profile, do either of these players rise above the other in terms of golf or wins? Well, you know, if, if you're talking about the film side of things, I mean, Jerry Goff definitely fits the sort of more West Coast style, but from just a historical sort of perspective, uh, looking at the touchdown interception ratio, uh, Jared Goff in the FBS level uh, had a passing grade in terms of his touchdown interception ratio um, from a historical perspective. He ended up being with a list of players such as Sam Bradford and uh, Andrew Luck and uh, yeah, Jameis Winston, Alex Smith, Marcus Mariota, kind of in that sort of area. Uh, the only negative to Jared Goff is as an athlete, he has significantly below average uh, lower body strength. The only positive to that is that from a historical perspective, uh, the majority of the elite, elite quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, Drew Brees, all those guys had low, below average, if not significantly below average lower body strength. But it is a concern if you don't necessarily view Goff as an elite guy because typically speaking... If you want above average lower body strength, 83% of all long-term starters in the NFL at the quarterback position since the 1998 draft class had above average lower body strength, which is what Carson Wentz has. In fact, as an athlete, Carson Wentz is essentially like Colin Kaepernick, but without 4-5 speed. He has more in the 4-7 uh, sort of speed range. The only negative to Carson Wentz is his touchdown interception ratio in the FCS level is not that great. Uh, it wasn't quite Joe Flacco. It wasn't in the range of possibilities uh, of starter guys. And even Carson, not Carson Wentz, but uh, uh, his his predecessor at North Dakota State uh, at, at quarterback there, uh, he, he, you know, Brock Jensen, he had a better touchdown interception ratio uh, than Carson Wentz. Um, so it's a little bit of a concern that you know you have a guy who is coming from the FCS level and doesn't have an outstanding ability to not turn the ball over as much compared to throwing touchdowns. And yes, he's admittedly in a system where they run the football a lot more, but the concern is just the fact that he's coming from an FCS level. He does have starter level athleticism at the very least, but the chances of him becoming like a special quarterback are not as high as Goff, who played against better competition and proved with his touchdown interception ratio that he at least could end up in sort of Sam Bradford 
uh, Alex Smith kind of area in terms of I hear of you. I hear you. So, Mark, I want you to step in here. Uh, are we missing anybody? Is it is it really just golf and Wentz for us at this point? Is there anybody else you want us to consider? I mean, I, I give some thought to considering Paxton Lynch here for a couple of reasons. Um, just because of his background as a former Win T quarterback, he might sort of kind of fit the athleticism mold, which you know, is a component to the scheme here, but that's an icing on the cake issue. If we're really focusing on the the main traits that we're looking for at this quarterback position for what we do being process and speed and short to intermediate accuracy, that's an area where I think golf is kind of, I'd, I'd almost say head and above the other two guys. Um, golf probably reads the field quicker than the other two guys, um, both Wentz and Lynch. And in that short to intermediate passing game, that's an area where golf excels. His, ex- his accuracy does dip, as he puts the ball down the field where it's an issue of more general accuracy, he can get the ball there. But process and speed is essential to what we're doing. Goff's athletic enough to function within this system, but he's accurate enough to put the ball where he needed to be, whether it's the right shoulder, the left shoulder, the left hip, the right hip, on the types of things that we do. Seven minutes remaining. I was just going to say time check, seven minutes. All right. Um, So looking at it again, uh, Kyle, your vote would be for Goff. Am I understanding that correctly for what we're looking for? Yes, that's correct. Mark, you'd, you'd vote for Goff and then those two? Out of the two, yes, Goff. And Jim, for these two, for what we're looking for? I'd go with Goff, yes. Okay, so I think we're clear there. If we decide to go on quarterback, we'll pull the trigger uh, on Goff here. So let's go through some of these other, um, other players that were brought up. Um, from an offensive line position, we've talked about uh, Spriggs. Now we we luckily have a quality left tackle and Joe Staley, who we expect to have a few more years out of. Uh, right tackle has been an issue for us. Um, you know, this is a similar thing to what we did with Lane Johnson. You know, this is a player we put at right tackle when we were in Philadelphia. Uh, so that's a you know the type of guy we would like to consider that has some maybe flexibility back to left. But the nice thing was is that that he had played that before. So to your understanding, uh, Kyle, from the the tackle position, have any of these top guys played there before in terms of playing right tackle for us? Because we're not going to move Joe Staley. No. uh, From my research, neither Spriggs nor uh, Ronnie Staley, who is not a name that we have openly discussed, uh, have experience flipping back and forth from one side of the offensive line to the other. Just to throw one more name to your knowledge, has Decker played over there either? I do not believe so. All right. You can take a peek at that. I'm just going to flip over here uh, to Bosa. Um, clearly a guy that you can understand why teams want to have him on board. I think the difficult thing for us is putting him in at four technique and two gapping. Um, not the best utilization of him. I mean, we're talking about that true 3-4 defensive end, which is not where he's going to be best leveraged. And then the question really becomes, can we put him in a two-point stance and get better production out of him than the guys like Lynch and Harold and Lemonnier that we already have on the field. And Kyle, I don't feel like we're going to get much more out of him on that in terms of a two-point stance for, for a guy like Bosa. Would you no, agree? agree? Yeah, and just to kind of circle back on Decker, Decker uh, has 28 consecutive starts at left tackle but did start in 2013 for 14 games at right tackle. All right, so that that intrigues me a little bit about someone who who can play on both sides. And I know from talking with our offensive line consultant Duke Mannyweather, he's a guy that um, 
he seems to like Decker. Question of value here at seven, uh, notwithstanding. So time check for me one more time. Three minutes remaining. Three minutes remaining. All right, so let's have a quick conversation here about William Jackson. Kyle, try to sell me on William Jackson. Well, when you're looking for the things that, that you said are what we are looking to implement, we're looking for a cover three player. We're looking for somebody who is long with strong ball skills. Uh, Jackson has those traits. He has very strong movement skills. Uh, like him more in zone coverage for the fact that he can stay square to the line of scrimmage and plant and drive uh, with, with his first step, uh, has the length and is very effective at the catch point to break the hands of receivers and, and make aggressive plays on the football as compared to having him in a consistent backpedal to try and transition and play man-to-man coverage. I uh, he does have some versatility, but I really think if you're looking at the corners on the board, he's the best mesh for what we're looking for. All right. So, Mark, coming back to the quarterback position, um, where where would you say Goff stacks up versus guys we've seen here in the past couple years? Um, I mean, how far of a differentiation? You know, we understand he's not going to be of the, the Winston Mariota level. Right. I mean, I think in that draft class, he would have been QB three, but I don't think there's really a drop off from um, what we've seen some, from some previous quarterbacks in the past couple of years to golf. I don't think it's as extreme as people make it out to be. He's a guy that was involved in all aspects of protection calls. He had full authority at the line of scrimmage to get in and out of plays, which is something we haven't seen a lot from quarterbacks coming out these past couple of seasons. So I think from an ability to transition Given the mental process and speed he's already displayed on film, he's a guy that I think, while he might not be ready week one, he's probably ready week four, and he's a guy that we can bring along, will fit well with our system, and makes sense from a scheme fit, from a transition fit, from a processing fit with the things that we do. So I think it makes a really good, it makes sense to me to go in that route if we go quarterback. So I'm sitting here looking at the tackle board and saying we can get the interior offensive lineman, the center that we need, potentially the right tackle that we need later. Bosa doesn't seem to match up quite with where our defense is aligned. As much as I like the fit for William Jackson, it's hard for me to swallow pick seven when we've got a quarterback on the board. Can anybody convince me why we shouldn't just hand in a card on Goff right now? No. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sound like it. No. Um, you know, we have Kaepernick, we have Gabbert. Um, I think we'll get rid of Kaepernick at some point if someone will bite on that post-draft. Um, probably, you know, we could make something out of him, but not ideal. And Gabbert could potentially give us a, a bridge if needed uh, if Goff isn't ready till week four again. Uh, so I think at this point we're going to pull the trigger on Jared Goff and get a quarterback that we know can move the ball for us. Very good. With the seventh pick in the Inside the Pylon Mock War Room draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Jared Goff, quarterback from Cal. Shane, looking at Goff's game, talk to me in general. What are some of the biggest things that he displayed during his time at Cal? So the first thing you notice is that Goff is a uh, coming from an air raid system. He's coming from a non-traditional system in the sense that most pundits would say. And he's going to a head coach uh, in Chip Kelly that is anything but conventional. Um, so if you're going to mock Goff anywhere. I do like the fit with Chip Kelly. Um, as we'll probably talk about uh, in this session, I'm a little bit lower than the consensus on Goff, uh, including Mark. And some of the things that I'm worried about is, A, I'm worried about him coming from that air raid. If you look traditionally, there is a correlation between air raid system quarterbacks not transitioning that well to the NFL. Um, the hand length is a worry for me. 
Um, I know that seems silly, but there is a little bit of empirical evidence to go behind that. Smaller hand QBs, um, they don't transition as well. And then also the frame. We know Teddy Bridgewater got knocked for that several years ago. Goff isn't the thickest guy in the world. On top of that, I just don't know if he's exactly ready to be the number uh, seventh overall pick and to come in with that type of pressure. But I say all that to say this is a good situation for him for a couple of reasons. One, Chip Kelly knows how to be unconventional. He knows how to make somebody into a uh, comfortable player. He took Marcus Mariota, who was not very well known out of Hawaii, and allowed him to become the number two overall pick in the NFL draft last year. Um, Goff is going to be uh, able to sit behind Colin Kaepernick or Blaine Gabbert or both for a year or so, most likely as it currently sits. So that is ideal. It allows him to get an NFL body under him. It also allows him to, allows him to get an NFL mind under him. So some of the good things that Goff does is I actually think he's smarter than he's given credit for. Offensive coordinator Tony Franklin really raved about how smart Goff was at processing. So I think he can handle the mental side of it. And I think sitting for a year, allowing him to grow a little bit um, and learn how the NFL works coming from that air raid style, which is a little bit less tra uh, traditional, this is a good marriage if he's allowed to sit. Uh, if he's forced into the fire, uh, I'm worried about it. But as the 49ers sit as of this podcast, I think he can wait a while, develop, and then take over in 2017. So that was a long answer to a, you know, a short question, but that's where I see golf. Mark, talk to me a little bit about Goff and, in particular, uh, some of the things that he does well that he should be allowed to do in Chip Kelly's system. Well, I think when you look at Jared Goff, one of the areas where he kind of stands out uh, probably above the other quarterbacks in this class, when you look at play speed and decision-making, he's pretty quick when it comes to reading the defense, reading the coverage, and making a decision with the football. I think with respect to the two of the other quarterbacks that people sometimes think of as you know the, some of the top quarterbacks in this class, Carson Wentz and Paxton Lynch, I think that's an area where Jared Goff stands out. So when you're thinking about a Chip Kelly offense, that's one of the areas you have to be you have to be quick with the ball. You have to make quick decisions. That's what this this offense relies upon. I think Shane touched upon some of the weaknesses with respect to Jared Goff and how they, he might transition to the NFL frame is definitely one of them. I think it's an area he started to address. There was a story that came out about him possibly not digesting proteins properly. So he's adjusted his diet. He's added some weight to his frame while he's been a cow. So I think... You know, if he does get a chance to sit a year, even you know half a season, he'll have a better frame when he comes into this offense. With respect to the offense that he ran at Cal, Shane also touched on that. Traditionally, air raid or bear raid quarterbacks, they haven't transitioned well. Um, but then you think of what he was entrusted to do with Tony Franklin's offense. He was given you know pretty much full reign over making calls to the line of scrimmage, adjusting plays at the line of scrimmage. So he's somebody that. Given the fact that he processes information well, makes quick decisions, you add sort of some, you know, NFL type experience into what he was entrusted to do at Cal. I think it's a great fit. I think for what Chip Kelly wants to do, it's a great fit. I think for what you're looking for in a quarterback in Chip Kelly's system, his strengths stand out and make him a better choice than possibly some of the other quarterbacks on the board. Mark, quick question for you, just because I'm sure a lot of our listeners might be wondering about it. 
Talk about just some of the basic concepts that are in that air raid or bear raid system, just because I know it gets tossed around a lot. What exactly are we talking about when it comes to that, uh, that he's typically been seeing a lot of in college? Well, when you think about the air raid system, basically you're thinking about an up-tempo, passing-style offense that relies on a couple of basic components, such as the mesh concept, such as you know the Y-over, the Y-cross concept that you know has you know, maybe five, six, seven different core concepts to the offense and then gives a lot of window dressing to them, be in motion, be it adjusting some of the routes, tagging some of the receivers with a different route design. You know, if you look at what Oregon this year did a lot with Vernon Adams, it's the mesh concept with a couple of different wheel routes to one side of the field or the other. Um, so it's a basic kind of, you know, five, six, seven different route structures, given some window dressing. But in Franklin's system, there was a lot of run-first elements to it. Tony Franklin wanted to run the football, and they built run-pass options off of a lot of their plays. So I think it's not a true air raid offense in, in that sense of the word. There's more to it. Um, Goff had a lot more options, a lot more decisions to make. He can work progressions, which is something he's going to have to do in the NFL. So I think... You know, looking at Goff's entire body of work, I just think that this is a great fit in a quarterback well-suited to thrive in Chip Kelly's system. There you have it. Jared Goff heading to San Francisco. Mark Schofield and Shane Alexander with the analysis there. Coming up tomorrow, we head to Philly, Chip Kelly's old stomping grounds. What are the Eagles going to do to dig out of the hole they dug themselves last year? That is tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Mock War Room podcast.